Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us for the week ahead. I'm Tony Nash with Complete Intelligence. We're joined by Albert Marco and Tracy Schuchart, as usual. Uh, and Sam is out this week, and he's uh, he's fishing. So um, we'll hope he sends us some uh, when he's back. We so, saw some good, good, good fish pictures, though. Great pictures from Maine or Vermont or wherever he is. So it's just beautiful up there. So this week, um, we've got a couple things on tap. First, we're talking about the European drought. We're looking at the costs. We're looking at the energy impacts, industry impacts. Uh, we're, then we're looking at coal, more broadly energy, but specifically coal. And what will some of the coal issues, how will that impact say refineries and, and other downstream activities? Finally, we're looking at inflation. It's been covered to death this week, CPI, PPI, but we're going to kind of put a few words in on it. And then we'll look at the week ahead. So before we get started, um, please like uh, this video. Please subscribe to this video. Please give us your comments. Um, we always do come in. We always do respond to comments, even if they're negative. Um, and also, we have our $50 a month promo for CI Futures, which is our subscription platform for everything that's traded in everything economics, top 50 countries. So currencies, commodities, equity indices, $50 a month. You can do it a month at a time. You can do it a year at a time. Check it out. We, we do forecast 12 month horizon. Uh, you can see our error rates. You can see correlations and, and everything for every single asset that's on there. So this is a limited time offer. I think it's only for another two weeks. Limited time offer. Please check it out. Please subscribe. Biggest thing you have at risk is 50 bucks and you can cancel. All right. So thanks very much for that. Guys, let's dive into this for um, uh, for Europe, um, I want to, uh, look at, there've been a couple of things out, uh, uh, stories out today about, um, containers on the Rhine not being able to get, there's a, a tweet from Bloomberg Energy, uh, that was showing where, uh, a container company can't get containers up the Rhine. And, um, you know, obviously the, the heat and the drought, and there are a number of issues for Europe and Germany specifically. So, Albert, can you kind of go into that? And we're going to switch to the water levels on the Rhine as well. So you can see uh, the red line is, you know, well below level year to date uh, for for water water levels on the Rhine. So, Albert, can you kind of help us understand what's going on there and what the impacts are going to be? Yeah, I'll circle back to Germany, but there's other countries that are having similar problems at the moment. You have the Italian, Italy's whole river is almost completely dried up. It's unbelievable. Uh, the UK suffering the same effects. Uh, heat waves are hitting France. And this is, this is, this is really bad timing, <laughs> especially when it comes to com inflation because of commodities and energy prices are skyrocketing. Now they have problems for irrigation of their crops. They have problems for tra transportation down certain uh, riverways. So, you know, the, 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 the costs are just set to inflate even further from this point on. Uh, Germany being the, pretty much the economic engine of Europe right now is just absolutely taking it on the chin month after month. And this is certainly something that they don't really need to be happening at the moment. The Rhine River, like you were saying, um, has you know big effects for multiple multiple industries, specifically uh, energy. I mean, they just can't get things up and down the river at the moment. And the, the stuff that they can get down the river, the the shipping costs have gone. I don't even know what the rate is, but last time I saw this, you know, like two or three times the normal rate. So it's like, so at this point, it's like the Europeans they need a they need a winner 
where they have a lot of snow or a lot of rain. Otherwise, they're facing a financial crisis come the summer. Come so let me ask you this. I, this is going to sound pretty ignorant, but I live in Texas. It's really hot. You live in Florida. It's kind of warm, a little bit beautiful, a great place to move if you're from California. But um, it's, you know, it's easy for us to say, uh, gosh, we deal with heat all the time. It's not a big deal. But Europe is a lot hotter than it usually is, right? So how much how much hotter yeah, is it? Five, 10 degrees Celsius or? I wouldn't say that. I mean, maybe it's the timing of the heat waves is really bad with the droughts. That's the problem because it's not exponentially hotter than it was previous summers, but it's just the timing of it is really bad. And there's been no rainfall. Uh, Europe's always had a problem with fresh water supply. And that's why the United States has been blessed is we have ample fresh water. Yep. I mean, forget about the Lake Mead stuff that you hear right now. Yep. I'm talking about in the farm, uh, the, the Midwest, where all the farms and, every, and all the industry is, ample fresh water. And the Europe's, the Europe doesn't have that, and they're suffering for it right now. Now, uh, the key crop, so, so we've talked about energy before, and you've said, you know, France, they've kind of got their act together, and they don't have to worry like a Germany or an Italy does. How is France doing compared to the other places? Are they, I'm sure they're suffering, but are they a little bit better put together? They are a little bit, be, a little bit better put together. They have, they have ample food supply that sustains their, their nation. I think they sold 40% of their wheat crop to uh, China, which I think is probably going to hurt them later on in the year as the drought persists. Um, but, you know, for France right now, they're actually sitting far better than Germany is. Okay, great. So, so let's dig down a little bit more on, on energy. So, um, uh, so Tracy, you mentioned before we got on that Europe just embargoed Russian coal, right? And so, so with all of the issues and the industry uh, issues in Germany, how much worse does that embargo make things? Before we get into coal prices and all that stuff, how much worse does that make things, the, the embargo on Russian coal? Well, it's just another example of self-harm, right? Because we're already seeing, um, I mean, Russia's already prepared for this, right? We're, and we've already seen them uh, sell oil to like China and India that makes up for those barrels that are not making it to the West, right? And so they've already been doing that with coal. Um, Russia has actually become India's third largest supplier um, within the last couple of months. And to avoid Western sanctions, they're also paying in yuan and the Hong Kong dollar, right? <laughs> and that's not to say that the U.S. dollar, they're trading dollars for those currencies to um, avoid Western sanctions. So it's not uh, that they're not using dollars anymore, but it is that they're, you know, they figured out a clever way to get around sanctions. Just circumvention, um, right? Right. And so, um, so, uh, you know, I think that, you know, just like oil, where everybody expected three to four million barrels to be taken off the market immediately, we never saw this come to fruition because it was such heavily discounted. Those barrels found their way to market anyway. And so is Russian coal, to be honest. So really, um, this hurts Germany yep. more, more than anything. That said, um, the people, you know, that said, the, the flip side of that is that um, the beneficiaries of that policy are going to be Australia, the United States, um, Colombia, and South Africa. Okay, so if we look at Australia, just to kind of focus in on there, China barred Australian coal, what, two years ago, year and a half ago, something like that? Yeah. Right? So is there ample 
supply in Australia to support Europe? And is that new? Have they already been redirecting things to Europe? I mean, they've already been redirecting things everywhere else because right. demand has suddenly gone up, right? Um, and not, you know, uh, globally. So what we're seeing, if we look at the benchmark Australian price, which is Newcastle coal, mm -hmm. um, you know, their prices are, you know, at about yeah, 400 AUD, which is about $284. Let's pull up that chart. Okay, so I've got that chart up now uh, on the coal prices. And you, so that's like two hundred and eighty-four dollars in USD. If we look at what current spot prices are going for in the United States, particularly on the East Coast, um, where those, you know, where shipping is uh, a lot less, we can see that those are significantly lower. So that does bode well for coal companies on the East Coast with access to, you know, with, with access to ports, close, right. closer access to ports rather than coming say from the Midwest or the West Coast. Okay, so we've got the weekly coal price, commodity spot prices for US up right now. So um, so the highest there is 186 for Illinois Basin coal, right? So where is most of that coal coming from? Is it Appalachia? Is it Joe Manchin territory? Yeah, you're gonna wanna look at Appalachia. Okay. Because they're okay. the closest to the East Coast, which means your shipping costs significantly go down because you don't have to ship it across the country first. Clean coal. Clean coal, yes. So that okay. does bode well for the United States just because, okay. you know, it's significantly lower. Um, but I kind of wanted to go back. And in this same vein, if we go back to the Rhine River. Yes, let's do that. Is that the, the fact is, is that because water levels are so low, they're about they're about one one point five meters deep right now. Vessels sit around one point two meters deep. It gives them about thirty centimeters lee room. Um, at the lowest levels right now, where there's nobody traveling, obviously <laughs> they're about forty two centimeters. Um, and actually, the lowest was in two thousand nine, or the lowest in the last century was in uh, two thousand eighteen, where they were about twenty five centimeters. But what's happening is because um, what's happening with the energy industry in general, because um, we're talking, there's a lot of oil products sent down that river as well as coal, is that these what these vessels are having to do is they're having to third what they're normally carrying. So okay. you're okay. so you're having to pay, you know, you if you had a vessel that went down and you're paying X amount of dollars, now you have three vessels going down because you have to split that into a third because those water levels are so low. So there's more so demand, there's higher cost shipping costs, lower capacity. So it's mm -hmm. it's just those shipping costs are times what five or something per unit per ton or are are absolutely ridiculous. And then when we talk about like low river. Le low river levels, um, they typically impact regional downstream refined products, right? Okay. So rather than upstream. Um, so this is going to have a major impact, particularly in Switzerland and Germany again. So this is going to increase the cost of their refined products, particularly diesel, which there's already a diesel shortage. So, you know, I expect that that situation to get 10 times worse. Um, you know, as well as coal and other commodities that are sent out the river. So, okay, so just to shift a little bit downstream. So if you talk about refined products and then we we go a step further to say plastics and that sort of thing. And we look at say the electronics industry in Germany, we look at automotive industry in Germany. So 
Do we expect a, a major impact on those industries as well? And at what pace will that happen? Will that be three months? Will that be nine months? Oh, absolutely. I think that's going to have a major impact, especially because we're already looking at those industries, looking to um, a lot of the manufacturing industry in particular, looking to go from, you know, go from gas to oil switching or gas to diesel switching. So if burning tires. So, <laughs> so if diesel becomes a problem, right. right, and oil becomes a problem coming down the river, that's going to make that situation entirely worse. So I'm um, we're looking at the situation, I would say three to six months, not not much sooner than than later for for certain, especially as we head into okay. winter. Okay, so it sounds to me, we know that Europe has inflation problems, right? We know that Europe has energy problems. With the river issues and the drought issues, they now have crop problems and they have supply chain problems and they have, say, secondary impacts of, say, refining, secondary and tertiary impacts of, of refining issues, right? So, and I'm not asking this to be funny, like, is there good news out of Europe? Like, is there a bright spot in Europe right now? No. There really is. I, I mean, I mean, there really isn't. I mean, you, you, every, everything coming out of Europe right now is negative. The ECB came out today and said they're not going to raise any more rates for, until the until the until next year. And they're looking at a they're looking at a secondary inflation event, you know, causing bigger problems for the European Union, you know, and and the UK. I don't want to leave the UK out of it because they got they got drought issues and transportation inflation issues yeah. to deal with also. But they have there's there's no silver lining for the next six to twelve months, in my opinion. I think the euro is actually going to go down to ninety five, you know, sub parity for quite a while this year. Uh, at the end of the year and into next year. Okay, okay. So let me ask a couple of questions about markets and politics in Europe. First of all, how will this environment impact European politics in the near term? I expect the German uh, uh, coalition to break apart probably okay. you know, sooner than sooner than later. I mean, these inflationary effects are going to cause big problems. I mean, the, just the energy costs alone in Germany, you know, God help them if they see frozen Germans dying, you know, elder, elderly sure. people dying over the winter. It's just it's a political nuclear bomb over there. Okay. Italy, places like that, obviously. Italy, Italy's Italy. a disaster. So Italy's always been a disaster. It's just like their governments rise and fall. With the okay. with the breeze of the wind, so UK same. Do you think we'll have a, a very short term government form and then it'll fall away next year, or something like that? Yeah, I believe one year. You okay. know, one year. This will last about a year. The French government's a little more stable, but you know, even them, Macron lost the majority there. But you know, Europe right now is in turmoil. The Dutch, same problems with the Dutch. You right. know, all these coalitions that have slim majorities are just going to start. You know, start breaking apart. Okay, so ECB has kind of lost its backbone. Uh, European politics is in disarray. What, what the, the euro is likely to devalue or depreciate to ninety five. Mm -hmm. um, what other, let's say, are you? How are you playing? Say in a broad sense, equities uh, in Europe. Do you think it's a it's a real danger zone for the next six months, or are there again are there well inequities? danger zones when you when there's blood in the water you want to start buying. Um, I would I would look at what's systemically important to the European Union, like you know Deutsche Bank, uh, you know French Bank, Social General, uh, you know 
BASF, you know, these systemically important uh, components to the economy have to be shored up. So they'll get bailouts or support or whatnot as stimulus packages. That's where I would be. I'd be buying probably in January, February. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I agree. I think what we're we're already seeing a ton of bailouts, particularly in utilities right now, and so mm. obviously um, those are going to help those stock prices. And so, you know, I expect we just hit the tip of the iceberg with Uniper, mm -hmm. right? And there's a lot more to come. So that's that's kind of, those are the sectors that I would be watching. Wow, that's pretty pretty bad news okay well it's, only, it's almost a, it's almost to the point where european equities will be cheaper than chinese equities that's where we're getting to okay that's good to know we'll keep an eye out for that okay let's move on to inflation so everyone's covered cpi and ppi this week please don't turn off the show right now we're gonna we're gonna say something <laughs> but um but i did a survey yesterday very scientific very statistically valid <laughs> twitter survey yesterday looking at uh, in light of CPI and PPI, um, where do we think Fed rates will go? And it's pretty much a tie between 75 and 50. So, you know, I wonder, uh, guys, you know, we we heard for days, zero, there was zero month-on-month -month inflation, right? CPI inflation, and we saw negative PPI inflation. <laughs> zero. I mean, these are the things that you look at when there's hyperinflation, right? right? We can't find good news in the year on year. So let's look at, you know, incremental, you know, data. So, do you think we've hit peak inflation in the U.S.? No. No. I think we have, we have a secondary, <laughs> secondary effect of, uh, of inflation coming, mainly because they've, you know, the Fed's started to rally this market for political optics. Commodities are rising. I mean, they've tried. They've tried so hard to keep oil and like wheat down and it just simply will not break certain levels. It just won't go down into the, say, in the 80s. For oil, it won't break 750, 770 in wheat, and they just can't do it. And they, you know, okay. they have to, they have to take, take, they have to go after these things, but they can't during the election season. Okay, so you you bring a good point with with crude oil. Um, you know, there has been a lot of attention uh, and work to keep crude oil prices and gasoline prices down. Tracy, how long can that happen? Because really, you know, a lot of the zero or negative is is in energy right so exactly and i i think what we're seeing a lot here especially if you look at front month is i think you know we have a lot of things going on right now the fact that one um you know uh, as much russian crude oil wasn't taken off the market that people initially thought there were recession fears um the spr draws are really starting to weigh on that front month um so there's a lot of things going on here that are kind of weighing on that front month plus open interest is nothing and yep. we also have china is still on their zero covid policy and hasn't opened up yet so there's a lot of things weighing on that market right now that said is that as soon as that that's you know as soon as the spr stops which is end of october coincidentally near in the midterms um <laughs> so <laughs> once that stops <laughs> Once that stops, and you know, I think I still think is Xi is going to have to open up China somewhat, um, you know, near the People's Party Congress, and so you know, I think that looking back, looking into the end of 2022 and into 2023, we definitely could see those higher oil prices again, mm -hmm. regardless of the, what the Fed does. Okay. Yeah. Now, now compound that real quick. Compound those those oil prices rising with the cost of rent going up astronomically. And I, I don't know 
what magic they're going to be able to pull to keep CPI under 10%. Just, it'll be, in what, it'll in be a what month, month, like October, November, December? October, October, November, December. Okay. Okay. Right, right smack in the middle of the midterms. And they got to be seeing this. They have to be seeing it. If they can't, if they're not seeing it right now, it's purely because the White House is interfering and wants political, uh, politically driven news for the markets right now. Okay. So do you think uh, like a, a slight pivot to, to 50 basis points in September is possible or likely? And then that eases up, you know, gives helps markets out, gooses markets going into the midterms. And then we start to see this inflation rush come on and say late October, November. Well, first of all, we have to see what Powell says at Jackson Hole, mm -hmm. whether he's okay. dovish or hawkish. I, I, you know, this this rally makes me think that he's going to have to be hawkish. Right. And then we're still looking at probably a 50 basis point uh, rate hike in September. And I, after that, I don't want to even project what happens after that, because it, it really depends on what's, what CPI is going to be printing. OK. Tracy? Agree with that. Okay. So, okay, perfect, guys. Um, so you're talking about markets rallying. Let's talk about the week ahead. You know, equities have done pretty good this week, right? And commodities have done pretty well this week as well. So, you know, what are we looking for next week? You say, you know, volume is thin. Okay. So do we have another thin volume week next week? Markets get goosed, people feel good, and then they come back the following week, and we see some some drama. Like, what what are you expecting? Yeah, I think I think that they could take this up, you know, closer to forty three twenty in the S and P, just because that's the bull. I think that's like two hundred day moving average from that. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, so they'll take it up to. Uh, they could take it up to there, but I'll tell you what. Looking at some of the order books on the S and P, uh, the futures, there is a boatload of sellers. From oh, yeah. forty two sixty to forty three hundred, that boatload of them. Yeah, I, I mean it's summer, right? There's going to be, you know, it's the same next week's the same as this week. It's going to be yep. really, you're not going to see much until, um, you know, we hit September and uh, you know fund managers and everybody's you know back from their holiday. Yep. Um, so I think we'll see much of the same. The thing is, is that retail keeps trying to short this, which is kind of just a fuel to push this market higher yep. because of liquidity issues. And so I think next week will be kind of the same. I'm not looking for, you know, outside of, you know, any disastrous thing happening, which I hope not. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I think we're going to stay in this lull probably, you know, throughout the rest of August. Okay. What we do know is Sam's going to do more fishing next week. Okay? <laughs> and one of the things that I want to start thinking about, this isn't the week ahead, but this is kind of the months ahead. You know, I wonder if, you know, what happens if Russia, Ukraine gets settled in October, November, that changes calculations pretty dramatically. So I'm it, starting to work on that hypothesis as well. Yeah. It depends on what a settlement is and whether, whether Western sanctions still continue to bite the Russians, which they're obviously going to retaliate economically. So yeah. a, lot, a lot of definitions need to be dealt with there. Yeah. Good guys. Thank you so much. Really appreciate this. Uh, have a great weekend and have a great weekend. All right. Thanks. Tony. Thank you. Thanks guys.
All right. That was very good. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, he did well on that one. You, you killed I like it. it.